cliffcentral.com. Welcome to it. Monday morning, The Bounce Show here with me, Ben Karpinski, and Stevie Wonder this week. In case you've actually haven't noticed so far, I use this show to also play music uh, and get you thinking about different kinds of music. Stevie Wonder, can you like who can forget how great this guy actually was? Yeah, I'm going through a phase right now. I'm finding all these old guys. great voice piano the whole deal anyway so this week big deal on the bounce show we've got uh two great guests we've got to coming back for another football update of course the weekend was the big manchester derby there was empty and eight cup semi-finals so to gonna come and wrap that all up for us and then we got jeff yates from the adaptive sports fund now as we know the paralympics are on right now and uh it's a real big deal because we think it's one of, I think, the third biggest sporting event in the world. Uh, Jeff can obviously fill us in all this kind of stuff when we get to him. But it's, um, it's kind of cool in that the way the Olympics is structured is that we get a full feel for what all these games are around. Okay, Stevie, easy. Gosh, he is all over the place. Um, you get a good feeling of what the Olympics is all about through all the events and the host city that it's in. And then it gets the Paralympics. And then, like, sport really does change quite a lot. There's different classifications. There's different challenges. There's different obstacles towards success. And uh, with that comes some of the most amazing stories. And we've already got six medals for SA. That's something that should be celebrated. And we've got all the details there. And then Jeff's going to talk to us about a whole bunch of other things. Uh, and then what the Adaptive Sports Fund's about. Uh, we, with that, we've got the rugby. Uh, we're going to talk about rugby, of course. There's a little bit of cricket news. Um, incredible weekend of MotoGP as well. And then there was tennis. Yeah, so much so. Welcome to it. Thanks for joining me here on The Bounce Show. Whether you're listening live... And if you are listening live, feel free to uh, tweet me at Follow the Bounce to be part of the show. Or if you're listening on podcast, um, well, you can also tweet me. Just tweet me whenever. It's a really good thing. It makes me look really, really popular. And uh, I'm always keen to interact. So many, many things to get into from the weekend. But let's just start with, well, now. Let's start with the greatest sporting team in sport right now. And I'm not saying this because I've got nothing else to say about rugby right now. It's just that the All Blacks are simply incredible. Okay, Stevie, you've had your chance. Enough. Gosh, can't get that guy started. Anyway, here we go. Greatest sports team in the world right now. I'm going to come back from this with the headlines for the week. Looking to restore some order. Barrett. Pass on the Brilliant, brilliant ball to Ryan Crotty. Sanchez has to make the tackle. But it's there for the All Blacks. Peronara. Fires it away. Charlie Favorino's in. You think that got the message? You gotta go that way. Initially, no, now they go to the right. Peronaro, Trotty! Ryan Trotty gets his 
So in the background here, what I'm playing is is just New Zealand on the rampage. Now, the Argentinian side, right, the rugby championship, they were good against the Springboks, but we, we couldn't really kind of get into it because we were so upset with the Springboks and how crap they were in our eyes. But the Argentinian team, I reckon this, this is the second best team in the tournament right now, and they played bloody well. But what does that mean? The second best team in the tournament, well, they got absolutely hammered. <laughs> like hammered, hammered. The RGs were 24-22 down after 53 minutes. And after that, well, there was only one team in it. New Zealand racked up 53 points against, I would say, the second best team in this tournament. That just goes to show that this, this massive gulf is being created now between New Zealand and everyone else. It's not even like speculation anymore. It's not even like exaggerating. These guys are the greatest, the greatest, the greatest, the greatest. They are so incredibly good. And when you saw them, how they came back from that first half, because every team can match them in the first half for intensity. There's no doubt about that. Something to be really kind of considered about this, this All Black team is the conditioning, right? These guys aren't just big, strong, and uh, really imaginative when it comes to playing. It's just that they have this ability to keep the whole 80 minutes going. The intensity, no matter what they do. You're not going to see like lulls where there'll be a little bit of kicking or some aimless kind of um, stop-start play. These guys know when the opportunity is there, they can seize it. And it's got to be a conditioning thing. One of, I think, 775 things you must consider about the All Blacks in order to be just as good as them. Well, we're not going to be just as good as them. Speaking of the Springboks, well, they went down uh, 23-17, I think it was, in the end. Let's consult my notes there. So it was close, like all Alistair Kutsia's games so far. They've been close, but they haven't really given as much joy. So I think, again, like the writing's been on the wall all season, really, I believe, because Super Rugby was a terrible season for all SA teams, barring the Lions. We all know that Alex Gostier is quite a conservative coach. He's not going to do amazing things, but he was maybe going to be the bedrock needed to transition towards greater things for the box. He hasn't really transitioned to anything. This team is not going well. Um, we had a chat this morning on the Gareth Cliff show, which is uh, six until nine. So you can catch the podcast of that. Basically, we had AJ Fenter on the line and he was telling us that there's just a distinct lack of leadership here. And it was, it was totally seen in this match here where the box went down 23-17 to Australia. Australia aren't very good. Let's just make, let's make no bones about that. Um, this isn't us making excuses here. They're not a very good side, and there's so many different other like issues that they've got to deal with, but we still roll over the SA team. We still roll over and lose to these guys. Um, ugh, there's just so many different parts of this game that were frustrating, but I think one of them has got to be kind of reiterated. And to echo AJ Fender's point from earlier, there just seems to be a lack of leadership. When you get to the stadium and there's been heavy, heavy rain, right? You've got a wet ball. You've got soggy conditions. This isn't the kind of game where you might want to throw the ball around. Resort to type. Resort to the sort of 10-man game where you're going to be kicking a bit more, play territory. Like the box started off so bloody well. I mean, they really did. They were 14-3 up. I mean, Adrian Strauss was just John, Sean de Villiers in de Villiers-esque. Like that was imaginative, it was fun, it was cool. Bang, 14-3 up. Look at Strauss. He decides I'm not going to catch much. He was always going to go for the interceptor when Yanchi's lined up. Have a look at him. Who are there? Houston. See, there was fluidity, there was confidence, it was all good, okay? So they're from there. Lack of leadership to understand that, okay, we've got a gap, but we need to get territory, we need to maintain this pressure, we need to get them going. And again, the guys just looked ponderous. There was backs and forwards just mixed up, and the forwards always looked so slow and lumbering. 
And before you know it, well, the Aussies got back into it. It doesn't help, of course, that Ibn Smith got a yellow card. Um, and, the bo- and then the box lost that lead and they never looked like they had the ability to score tries from there. And this is the big problem again. It's the leadership aspect. There's nothing here. They're just going through the motions and other teams, well, they know they can just pick the box off. They'll get the chances. There'll be aimless kicking. I mean, there was so much aimless kicking from the weekend. And it really was that sort of game that Elton Junchies and Fafta Cloak could look at and go, well, we haven't just got a long way to go. We can't read situations properly. Like, unfortunately, they haven't got a great pack of forwards in front of them right now. Sorry. Things aren't really working in the breakdown. And it really is kind of frustrating to see that these elementary areas are coming through when a bit of pressure is exerted. But that's the nature of international rugby. It's all-day pressure. It's never going to get easier. And, uh, well, I hate to say it, but we now have to resort back to Mornay Stain probably. I don't want to get too much into it because, you know, let's start the week on a high point, which the show is all about today. We're going to have a lot of interesting, positive conversations, none of which, unfortunately, can happen with SA Rugby right now. Yeah. A big sigh, huh? let's all have one big sigh, collective Springbok sigh right now. <sighs> yep, that's how we all feel. There's no doubt about it. Chief, uh, we came close to building that that match as well. We didn't deserve to win it, but it did come kind of close. In Curry Cup news, uh, Grick was they were too strong for Bullant early in the week, forty six twenty two. The Lions hammered Western Province fifty eight thirty two, and then on Saturday. I don't know. How excited are you about the, the Curry Cup? I'm not really that excited. Football, we'll get into that later with Tabung, but yeah, good win for Vitz. They basically burst the bubble of Cape Town City. Now, Cape Town City had a very strong start to the new team to the PSL. They beat Chiefs, and then they won their first, the first leg of the semi, oh, sorry, of the MTN8 Cup finals. They, they got them into the semi-finals, and uh, yeah, they got a massive, massive deficit to come back from now. Eric Tinkler is a coach of that team, and um, well, if anyone knows what a, a big task they got in their hands, definitely will be him. Sunday, Chippy United drew with Sundown 0-0. Very interesting stuff there. Uh, look, Sundowns are going to win this. Debunk said it last week, and I still go with him on that. Man United, the big Man City, uh, the big Manchester derby, well... <laughs> 1-0 to Pep Guardiola. I think all we can say that the game itself, you know, there's missed opportunities. It was quite scrappy in places. But Pep Guardiola, first real big challenge on English shores. I mean, I think it's 7-2 now, the head-to-head between Guardiola and Mourinho. But uh, it's a bungalow more for that on you. Or more for that. Sorry, I'm really battling the talk today. Sorry, I'm not doing so well on Mondays. Uh, Liverpool, they were 4-1 winners over Leicester, Swansea. Without Costa, they would have been screwed. Costa scores basically every single time that, that Chelsea play against Swansea. He did twice here to save them a point, and that was away. Spurs, way too good for Stoke. Uh, they've also got four goals there. And then Arsenal, well, they left it very, very late. They got a penalty, and 2-1, they beat Southampton at home. Not a good season for Arsenal. We all see that, and we all know it's going to happen. Angelique Kerber, well, she's the best tennis player in the women's world right now. She's number one ranked, and she beats... Um, Pliskova to win uh, at Flushing Meadows. And Stanislav Wawrinka, he upset Novak Djokovic in more ways than one. Djokovic, well, you know, first round entrance, sorry, exit at uh, the Olympics. He hasn't done too well this year. He really has not gone to potential. And uh, Wawrinka now has won three of the four Grand Slams, so good on him. In cricket, Ian Morgan, Ian Morgan, however you pronounce it, him and Alex Hales have decided they're definitely not going to Bangladesh. Uh, security concerns there. So that's a bit of a shame. But it's only like a small dicky series. I mean, there's two tests. Morgan's not involved there. I think there's only three ODIs. So Josh Butler will assume the captaincy there. And when you do think about it, you know, Morgan's position in this team isn't exactly cemented as a as a player. 
he has been a captain that's been part of this whole resurgence, which is really, really encouraging. But, I mean, he might lose a spot. Let's just say this team fires over there in Bangladesh, which I'm not thinking they, they will. It's not a great place to go, Bangladesh. It's not a great place to tour. It's not a great place to play to your best of your ability. So, who knows? This could be Morgan's way of not being in the team for much longer. I know that sounds very salacious and, and very controversial of me, but these things happen in sport very, very quickly. In golf, Justin Johnson won the BMW Championship, which kind of cements him as the greatest golfer this year. It, it, he's golfer of the year, no doubt. He was so good in the majors. He won the US Open. He's been so great. He won the WGC at the Bridgestone, and now he's won the BMW Championship. So he's now top of the FedEx Cup. He, I reckon he'll win this now. He goes into East Lake for the Tour Championship this weekend. Firm favorite. And it's, it's, we've seen the last two weeks, right? Roy McIlroy, when he can putt, the guy's unstoppable. Dustin Johnson, when he can putt, cheapest. The majors this guy is going to win. If he can just keep his nose out of the cocaine and his eyes on just his wife, I mean, this guy is going to do amazing things. Such an amazing talent. One of the best physical specimens you'll ever see in golf. And I'm saying that maybe over and above Tiger. As I've just said it, he really is. Charles Watzel, he had a 64 in the final round, which means that he's into the Tour Championship. He finishes on 30th position, which means Ricky Fowler misses out. Ricky Fowler doesn't get it through to the final events. Uh, Henrik Stenson got a knee injury. He sat out, and then he's lost positions. Justin Rose also not in there. So some big names here. And I think that's also the end of Ricky Fowler's Ryder Cup campaign. I don't think he's going to get picked after this. In the KLM Open, which is in the European Tour at Joyce Leighton, he had a 63, if I'm not mistaken, in the final round there. So home ground favorite there coming through. And that's just this Joyce Leighton guy. He makes cash, eh? He makes big cash. Always up there in the top 10, there, thereabouts. Finally, before we get into our chat with Jeff today, the MotoGP yesterday. Now, if you like motorsport and you have found that, um, what do you call it, F1 is getting a bit boring, well, May I tell you to place your eyes firmly on this MotoGP. There's been 13 rounds this year. It's been eight different winners. Um, Valentino Rossi went into the San Marino um, GP, obviously hugely a crowd favorite. I mean, thousands follow this guy around the world. He's an absolute cult figure. And he was leading with about, I think, 10 laps to go or so. Danny Pedrosa has not had a great season whatsoever, but this guy was masterful how he went around this track. And just watching these guys and how they, a lot more happens in MotoGP, obviously, because they're um, smaller vehicles, so overtaking is a lot more technical and a lot more entertaining in my mind. And uh, what an amazing race that was. So if you are wanting to get into motorsport and F1's a little bit too drab, a little bit too Mercedes-orientated, MotoGP all the way. Especially with there being significant interest coming through the ranks. Brad Binder now moves closer to the overall title. He won this weekend at San Marino, so Moto 3. He's going to be in Moto 2 and obviously go up quite soon. He's a real big deal. That's pretty much it for your headlines uh, for the weekend. We're going to come back with uh, Jeff Yates, our special guest today. But getting him into that, here is a teenage sensation, Ntando Mklangu. He won a silver medal at the Paralympics. The guy is just 14 years old. Yeah, try to comprehend that. And away they go. Wagner Jorgensen well into his stride. Whitehead will take a while to get going, and Henson as well. But now, Whitehead will straighten up and go for home. Vance going well for the United States. Here comes Richard Whitehead for Great Britain, on his way to defend his title. And also Malanga for South Africa. Whitehead's going to get the gold. He'll defend it. 23-3-9. Malangu gets the silver. Vance and Henson up there for the bronze, but Whitehead successfully defends his crown. He's got the gold again. 14 years old, hey? Well, how about, I mean, that's a massive story. The SA team has six medals now. So, um, 
wow, what an incredible race this was. Now that Whitehead dude, he's forty, right? I mean, this this is his event, and chief uh, person. Shlongo is going to drill him if, he ever, if this ever happens again in four years' time. This dude learned to walk four years ago. Is the backstory here? Um, he has his leg amputee is above the knee. So, I mean, this is, this is quite a big deal. The fact that, again, this is why I want to chat to our, our guest today is, uh, is Jeff Yates. Now, it's just having the confidence to get out there in a world where, you know, obviously you're labeled for because of your disability and your handicap. And you look at this guy, she's just taking to this track and just burning it down the, the final stretch there. It's really inspiring. It's really, really great. So, Jeff, hi. Have I got the right mic on for you? Let's hope. How are you doing? Yes, then? nailing it, yeah. No. Yeah, I was so start, but hey, I just wanted to chat to you. I was just trying to get through other stuff. Quite, yeah. quite boring in comparison, actually. So, Paralympics so far, I mean, pretty good start for the Team SA, right? I think so, yeah. Um, we, a bit of a slow start in the beginning, but as you said, six medals in. And yeah, so just looking good. Just to run through, so Kevin Paul opened his up, okay? So first gold medal, the men's 100-meter breaststroke in the SB9, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And then we got some decent weekend at the track there. Uh, shoulder Toy getting a gold in the 100 meters T37. Uh, Farney van der Merwe, bronze in the same race, yeah. or as autocorrect likes to call him, Farney van der Merle. And then Ilse Hayes, sure, she was pretty amazing in the T1300 meters as well. And then Hilton Langenhoven, now this guy, he's a bit of a legend in these circles. This isn't a massive surprise that he came through and won the gold there. But then the Santando Mklangu, what a story that is. Now, is there an age limit or kind of category for for athletes in this games? Well, I, I, to be honest with you, I thought it was a, a 16 age age limit, but it turns out there's obviously not. Um, so yeah, that came as a, as a bit of a surprise to me. Um, it was someone that I, I wanted to follow um, during this Olympics. I think uh, he was one of the candidates that was going to surprise us all, and, and, and so he did. So it was incredible to watch. Eh? So 14, and the guy who won was 40. I mean, we are just seeing, like, I wrote something on the, on the balance of the CLZA a week or two ago about the fact that if you were to really boil what the Olympics is about, the Olympic spirit and the essence of what it is, there's nothing greater than the Paralympics because every one of these races, there's a real story here. And it's away from the gloss of, of the magazines, away from the shine of TV. I mean, these guys aren't household names, but their struggles are no, no worse or no less than the guys like Bolt. Um, and wait for Nico and all those guys are getting all the big plaudits. So, um, what else we got to look forward to Paralympic wise? I mean, are we, do we have quite a few more medal contenders? Um, definitely. I think, uh, um, we touched on it briefly last week. I think, uh, in the hand cycling division, old Ernst van Dijk, he's going to definitely put on a good show for us. Um, he's someone to look forward to. Lucas Satole in the, in the tennis. Yeah, he made it. He's in the quarterfinals right now, isn't he? He is, okay. and he's playing against the world number one seeded Dylan uh, Dylan Alcott. So, okay. that's going to be a, a tough game. That that's going to uh, that's kicking off today. I think at Hoppus Nine in the evening. So, yeah, we, I, I'm hoping these guys can come together and 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 really bring it home. I think it'll be awesome. Okay, earlier in the in the morning show uh, here on Cliff Central, there was some questioning about the classifications. Is this is there a way that, I mean, like. Uh, most of us have no idea what T37 or T12, all that kind of stuff means. Is there a way that we can watch this as, let's just say, lay sports people and get a better understanding of what all these things mean? Um, yeah, okay. Let, let me let me, let me me try and break it down because I think it is important to know what you're looking at when you're looking at it. So basically, let's look at um, athletics okay. for, 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 for an, a case in point, so to speak. So you've got 
T and F. Those basically stand T for track and F for field. Okay. Um, then you'll look at something like T11. Those are your visually impaired athletes. Mm-hmm. The first digit after the numerical, I mean your alphabetical, so let's say it's T1. That first um, letter, or sorry, the numerical number, stands for what type of disability it is. Okay. So if we run through 1, 2 to 5, 1 being visually impaired, 2 being, um, sure, caught me off guard, yeah, intellectually impaired, 3 being coordination impairments, so cerebral palsy, the likes of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, the 30s are your cerebral palsy, along with wheelchair athletes and, and, and athletes that are in the seated position. And then T40s are your short stature, T40s, uh, 42s are the likes of, um, um, uh, what's his name? I've just gone in blank here. Sorry, Ntando so. Mklangu. That's right, yeah. Um, he's obviously amputees, and then the higher amputee from 45 to 47, these are your arm amputees and things like that. And then your T50s, these are normally spinal cord injuries or spina bifida where they'll compete mostly in the, in the wheelchair classes. So that's that's what the first digit of the, um, how do you want to say it? The, sorry, the first digit after the the T okay. or the F. Then the the second digit um, refers to the severity of that impairment. Okay. So when it's T eleven, they're visually impaired with a with a very serious um, visual impairment, whereas T um, thirteen would be less of an impairment. Well, exactly. Okay, so Elsa has, she was in the T13, but then you'll see runners who actually have someone running next to them. Correct, yeah. So there's obviously the severity. Okay, cool. So like like all things, you know, again, the reason why I want to chat to you today is that once you've got the knowledge, it's not difficult. Mm-hmm. And then you can see it like anything else, and before you know it, you're enjoying it and you're supporting it. Um, and then obviously S means swimming. Correct. So that'll be in the pool. Okay, so Kevin Paul with his SB9. SB9 would be breaststroke, yeah. Okay, cool. That's the thing. I mean, the, the classifications uh-huh. is it's not hard. Every every sporting code has its own classification criteria, and it's 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 quite in depth if you try and you know cover all the sports throughout yeah. the. But yeah, you, we need to make it fair. Um, that's the whole thing with this, and I think that's where the whole classification scandals come in and all that. It's it's quite a tricky thing to get right because, for argument's sake. Uh, Take my disability. I'm a I'm a quadriplegic, okay. so I broke my neck at C7, C, uh, C6, C7 vertebra. So it's quite quite high up. I've got very little movement from my waistline down or from my chest line down. So I'll I'll compete in say the hand cycling H1 classification, which is the most severe impaired um, classification. So then the difference between someone like myself and an H2 is someone that has full hand function, mm-hmm. where I have only partial hand function. So if they go in to the classification and sort of put on an act, so to speak, they could very well compete it in my classification. So I, I know there's a lot of stories that are going around where people are, um, you know. Manipulating, let's just correct, say. Yeah. yeah. Just to get that competitive edge over, over their counterparts. Well, Jeff, let's get into your story, okay? So you say you, you broke your neck quite high up. Um, how old are you when this happened? Sorry, while he drinks some water. Sorry about I, that. I, I always make my guests speak so much that they go dry out of the mouth. Um, I was involved in a car accident, so just another statistic, unfortunately. Oh, but I was I, I was um, 19 years of age. Um, sport being a very big part of my life prior to my accident, um, and then unfortunately, I, I didn't I didn't do much sport after that. Um, I came out of hospital where I was exposed to ballroom dancing and archery, neither of which 
I had any interest in pursuing. Interesting start. Ballroom dancing. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, uh, I didn't follow it too much, to be honest with you. Okay. But like, okay, so just take us through that, that sort of process. You know, you obviously you've been a very sporting guy. Um, you know, to have such a, like you say, to become a statistic, you had no say in the matter. I mean, this is something that just unfortunately happens in life. Mm. Mindset wise, I mean, how difficult was it to kind of think, okay, this is kind of going my future now? I mean, is it something, is it a process that people need to go through in various stages or is it just a personal thing, you think? You definitely go through the stages. I think everyone will go through the, why does this happen to me? You yeah. know, you'll go through the angry phase where you get frustrated that you can't do things. I mean, I remember coming out of hospital and having to put on a pair of socks. I mean, that, that was the most challenging thing for me. I mean, I think my record was like five minutes, you know. Wow. So every aspect of your life changes. And, but it's, I mean, the human, the human spirit is so resilient. And, I mean, it's just amazing how people bounce back from these sort of things. It's, but it is a process. It took me close to 10 years just to, you know, try and, work my way back into society in terms of driving again, finding a job, um, getting a girlfriend, getting married, you know, you try and find some sort of normality in, in the whole sense of it. But it took me a long time to turn to sports again. Only in 2010, I was exposed to some hand cycling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that day onwards, I've just gone on a mission to just try every sport to just, you know, prove to myself that they're, even though I have this disability, that you can still live life to to the fullest, but you got to make that decision, I guess. But it is something from my outside perspective. It's like when you are kind of a lot of hope is taken away from your life in the most sort of basic of, of understandings. Okay, so you you able now you're not able to do the things like putting that socks. I mean that's heartbreaking. <laughs> like is, is sports? You know, would you would you say if someone in your position? had to happen today would you say sport is going to be a massive catalyst towards helping you go through processes is it something that you can kind of use as encouragement absolutely with, with without a doubt i think there's so many positive things that you can get out of sport um one being the strength that it gives you um transferring in and out of your wheelchair packing your wheelchair up in the car you know it, it, it's a physical task and it, it just becomes easier when you have that strength Right. Um, I mean, first and foremost, that's what it gives you. But there's also such a social aspect around sports. Sports, um, you start to, you know, f- hang around with people with the sort of same disabilities. Makes you feel a little bit comfortable. You can ask certain questions and, and get a feel of. Yeah, so it's not, like, it's not just you going through this process. I mean, exactly. it's actually, it happens. It's a reality. There's other people there. Hundred percent, and it's a support structure within sport that it gives you that platform to build your confidence, your self-esteem. Just realize that, hey, you know, I, I can actually go out there and, and still have fun with friends, play, yeah. play sport at a, at, a, at a recreational level with family, and I think it's fantastic. I really do. So what are the sports that you kind of participate in now? Um, currently, right now, I'm involved with wheelchair rugby. I'm also very much involved with uh, adaptive golfing. Okay. Um, but, I mean, just last week, um, I was swimming on Wednesday. Thursday, I was at rugby. Friday, I was playing tennis. Saturday, that wheelchair rugby, I was fishing. Huh? Absolutely, the the rugby wheelchair rugby is an intense full contact sport, which it's is like, something that people don't know about. Yeah, it's like you take your wheelchair, you make it very Mad Max looking, exactly. and then you get stuck in it. There's a movie. Um, what's it called? I think it's is it Murderable? Murderable. Yeah, yeah. There's an actual movie around that because the Canadians and Americans have this long standing rivalry. Exactly. An ex American player then became a Canadian coach, and then yeah, it gets hectic. It's properly heated. Well, it's it, it's it's called it was called Murderable, 
And they subsequently had to change the name just because it's not really a it's good marketing. Bit, yeah, it's a bit rough. So they've, they've gone with wheelchair rugby. Um, although the rugby part of it, I'm not too sure where that comes from, I guess, just from the full contact um, because it's got no rules. It is a bit of angry basketball, essentially, would take away the net. <laughs> actually, that, that's exactly what it is, actually. Because I watched that movie, and I've done a lot of research around that, and it's, like, it's, it is quite hectic. Yeah, basketball for angry people, I like that. So, <laughs> like, okay, so, so golf. I mean, I'm a huge golfer, so this is something I'm very curious about. So how, I mean, how did you get started on playing adaptive golf? I mean, was that like a big stretch, or was that one of the easier games to get involved in? Um. It's it's actually one of the most difficult because the equipment is one of the most expensive. I thought it would be. Golf's yeah. never easy. It's not. And, uh, I mean, this equipment costs in excess of around 350,000 Rand to get one of these golfing chairs in. Wow. So it's just not affordable for anyone, even the likes of myself. So we've been working with um, uh, the, uh, the South African Golfing uh, Dissoci- uh, South African Disabled Golfing Association. And we've been collaborating with them to try and refurbish uh, one or two of the chairs that we have that we've been that's been given to us, and uh, they've had a they got a a golf chair that was donated a couple of years ago that's just been sitting collecting dust. So now we've got a very active um, golf project, adaptive golf uh, project. So that's that's kicking off soon. I mean, we're having our first open day or demonstration this week Sunday, so we're gonna have to we'll be able to give a. a We'll be able to invite a whole bunch of people around to come experience golf for the first time, and under normal circumstances, they just they just wouldn't be able to. That's incredible. Now you're heavily involved with the Adaptive Sports Fund. Tell us a bit more about this. I mean, when I first uh, saw you online, um, you know, there's a reason I want to chat to you because you're not just a guy who does a few things. You've actually got there's something really going on here, and you're definitely helping the lives of others. So tell us a bit more about the, the ASF. Um, so basically. I was very fortunate in the sense that I had a permanent job and I was able to expose myself to various sporting codes and et cetera. And I just looked at it and I thought, there, you know, for someone that doesn't have or isn't as maybe well off as me, not well off in the sense that I've got all this money, but just being able to expose myself to sports, um, I needed to try and bring whatever we have to other people with disabilities. Sure. And instead of giving a grant to an individual person where they can go on and, and you know, pursue their, their sporting career, we thought let's rather purchase this equipment and then instead of one, one person benefiting, we'll be able to have hundreds and if not thousands of people that can get exposed to, to sport. I have to ask this question in the current landscape. Yes. Do you get much government support? <laughs> um, no, not at all. Not at all. I hate the fact that when I ask people this, no matter where it be, we, we, we like your realm of things, um, uh, youth sports, uh, wherever it is, it's not just no. The answer is always no, not at all. Exactly. <laughs> it's just a horrible state of affairs because all this money is being pushed into different channels. You see all these feel-good shows on TV where someone's done something or given back, but it's all bollocks a lot of the time. So nothing. Huh? I mean, have Unfortunately you ever, not. Have you ever had any contact with government around this? Um, no, nothing at all. Eh? We've... We, we've been waiting for our PBO status, which is our tax exemption certificate that we can issue to corporates and donors now. So we're all above board. We've, we've gone through the right channels. We're a registered MPO. You know, we want to, we want to do this properly and we want to be able to offer it at a, at a national level. So, and hopefully an international level. Um, we're playing the catch up game in terms of adaptive sports in South Africa. Um, so I'd like to hope that those discussions would, um, 
would come to fruition, you know, in, in the next few months or years, but up until this point, no, nothing. Because something like this would be great in certain schools. I mean, I could think of nothing more, what's the word? Nothing more unfortunate that obviously if you're wheelchair bound in school, and there's nothing there for you. You have to do everything privately, right? Exactly. So there's nothing. So while all your friends go and play your usual sort of sports, you're sitting there going, "Well, on my, on my own dime, I'll go find something privately." Because obviously, it's very expensive as well. Hundred percent. So that'd be a nice initiative to kind of get involved in. Again, like we can formulate the answers, but it always comes down to costs eventually, and that's the frustrating thing about all of this. So, what could be done, in your opinion, to get these to get the sports out there even more? I mean, is it about mainstream media? Is it becoming more like savvy with social media? Like, how do we get people to kind of really get involved? What are your thoughts on that? Well, our approach has been um, to really just to create a platform where we can engage with our audience. So, we've used social media quite extensively. Um, you know, when I came out of hospital, as I said, I was only exposed to those two sports, and only through the internet and, and connecting with people, you know, outside of South Africa, I realized that there's so much other sports out there. So we're, that's what we're all about now. We're just trying to let people know what we have and, and what we got planned in the future. So we're working on things like an adaptive paraglider. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got an adaptive gliding plane. We've got adaptive go-karting. So we, we're focusing mostly on, on sports that you wouldn't really associate with people with disabilities. So, and we've got, we've gaining a lot of traction and, and, Especially our, our community is very excited about the prospects of bringing these sports. Because I think it's also, if you're in school, and I mean, I used to play soccer and rugby, um, and the odd occasion play golf. And then when this happened to me, I didn't feel like I had a sporting code that would fulfill that sort of, you know, need or void, should I say. But yeah. I think, you know, if you look at sports, there is so much sports out there that, you know, running might not be for you, but it could be, um, go-karting or, you know, the exactly. more extreme stuff. But there, there is something out there for someone and we're just going to try and bring it, bring it to the people. That is fantastic. Well, <laughs> Jeff, um, I, I couldn't be more inspired around making a change in this kind of stuff. There's so many different causes and things out there. But again, it's just knowing that sport can, the old cliche, I mean, everyone's used it, sport can change lives. And that's the reason that, that I'm so heavily invested in sport because I think if there's more sport in the world, the world would be a much better place. Absolutely. It's as simple as that. And you, you're proving it today and, and, and you are living proof of how by just doing, getting your mind in the right place in life, you know, you can still get, live a, a pretty ordinary life as well like anyone Absolutely, else. Absolutely, yeah. That's what it comes down to. We all should have the same sort of rights and um, abilities as far as what we can do and get out there for. Where else can we find you, find your updates, and just find information around all of your initiatives? Um, you can uh, log on to adaptivesportsfund.org. Um, all our social media um, handles are up at the top there from Twitter to Instagram and all the rest of it. Um, so, yeah, you can just jump on our website. You can have a Very look at good what site, we do. by the way. I Thank say. you. I mean, this is properly done. Yeah, I mean, we, 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 we like to, you know, we, we want to be at the cutting edge of things. So yeah, it's a really good website. As someone who looks at websites all day, this is very, very impressive. Nice. Nice. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll take that compliment. Cool. And then just to find you on Twitter, personally? Um, but my personal hashtag, oh, my handle is J underscore J Yates. J underscore J. That's very complicated. Yeah. I know. I, I, I did it a couple of years ago <laughs> when I wasn't too savvy. <laughs> Uh, okay. So, yeah. so it's J underscore J Y A T E S. Jeff, I'd love to get you back on maybe sometimes towards the latter stage of the Paralympics. Um, you know, there's lots of great stories there and obviously some local stories we should be obviously bringing up as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. I know that you are very involved with the tennis association as well. 
Correct. Uh, perhaps you've got another conversation we can have. I guess it's just finding sports that people are that can assimilate much easier. There are more difficult ones than others. As you say, golf, it's a real big funding thing. Exactly. I'm looking at one of those chairs now, and I can totally understand what the costs are so prohibitive. But uh, like generally, golf courses are pretty uh, friendly, though. I mean, let's just say the equipment was an issue. Courses out there, you can go play. It's not a big, big hassle. Yeah, I mean, we, we still have to learn the golf etiquette about mm. operating the chair on the on the course and not to you know, damage the course in any way. But they, they've been very over-accommodating in terms of cool. having us, you know, playing golf. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a fantastic thing that we're doing there. Although raking the bunker is a bit more difficult now, huh? <laughs> yeah. Just try and start with it. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? <laughs> exactly. All right, Jeff, thanks so much for your time today. It's been such a great chat. I'm sorry. I'm a little off my game today. I'm battling with the actual English words coming out of my mouth. But I'm overwhelmed, actually, by, by what's on this website and um, things available. It really is. So... I think you're one of the most moving guests I think we've had. I've spent a lot more time on this website. And if anything I can help as well, then um, yeah, feel free to let me know. This is a really, really great cause. That's it. That's Jeff for the week. Uh, we've got Tabung coming in now to talk about football. Now, if you are a big football fan, even if you're not, you would have known the Manchester derby took place over the weekend, which was a good thing for one side of Manchester. Not such a good thing for the other side. Uh, there's different colors involved there. I know Tabung. Well, basically, it's behind the red side of that. Now De Bruyne. Still De Bruyne. Left foot is shot. Oh, it comes off the post. And it's in by Iheanacho. And the flag stays down. And Sergio Aguero's replacement scores again. Manchester United nil. Manchester City 2. A dream first half here. For the visitors, first De Bruyne, now Iheanacho. Well, they're walking back to the halfway line, Manchester United, like they've already played 90 minutes football. They've been chasing the ball so much. Clinical, it's a poor touch there by Iheanacho. He gets fortunate, De Bruyne, that the ball comes to him. But it's, a, it's an excellent strike because it's into an area that's dangerous. He's fortunate that it comes back off the post, definitely onside. And he's the first one to react. Every Manchester United player is static, watching the ball and hoping that Ian Acho's offside. This is the bit that's really important, that ball into that area. If it goes in, great. But the fortune, fortune goes to Manchester City and Ian Acho, comfortable finish. Perhaps one of the greatest names I've heard in football for quite some time, Ida Nacho. <laughs> well, yeah. Tabang, as a Man United fan, how are you feeling after that? The first big battle between Pep Guardiola and Jose Mourinho. It seems like uh, Jose Mourinho can't... Uh, what is it? Beats... What's his name? Uh, Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola. Is it like this a nemesis? Like the, uh, I think this is like what? the ninth time and he's tried and he's only one two times out of that um, those nine fixtures so it's really disappointing especially being the first big game of the season we had beaten uh, we had 100% record uh, since then but uh, you know you know how it goes but now last week you were here telling me that Man City is essentially going to win the league yeah, it is. was this game kind of um, a confirmation of some of your thoughts that Man, Man United are resurgent yet still not the finished article yes yeah I know I think that I think uh, what is it uh, Man City have a good coach, have a have a big team, have the best team in the Premier League right now, and uh, just they showed us in that big game. It was a big game. They dominated Manchester United in the first half. In the second half, uh, Jose Mourinho did make some changes. We did change the game, but they weren't getting those clear cut chances to uh, really worry. There was 
they didn't have a shot on target in the whole of the second half. So it really, yeah, yeah, so that's worrying. Yeah, that's really bad. So now this whole thing about Matt, um, Rooney playing out outright, um, being more of a midfield player now, is, is that one of those things? It's like a stopgap thing, and eventually he's just going to fall out of the starting lineup. Yeah, I think he's going to fall out of the starting lineup soon because mm-hmm. yeah. Rooney is a great player. I I love Rooney. Rooney has done much so much for the club, but I think uh, he did play well that day. I suppose on the right, but he doesn't have that pace to beat players. He's okay. He is uh, intelligent. He can play the uh, you know the football that's needed. But I think uh, we need pace mm-hmm. up front. We need uh, Martial. Martial is on the bench. Rashford is also on the bench. I actually don't know why. Uh, when when Rashford came on, he made a difference. When Herrera came on, with it was a three midfield. What they did is it made Pogba play a little bit more offensive, which is what's what's needed because Pogba is not a defensive midfielder. Well, exactly. He's, yeah. Now, when you think where he was at Juventus, he had some real playmakers around him, yeah. which made him look really good. Here, he's got lumbering old men receding <laughs> hairlines. So there's no point in spending all this money on Pogba if you're going to stifle him with team selection. Whereas yes. if you've got the guys around him, suddenly he's going to be worth his value. Yeah. I mean, this is stuff that I pick up after watching about three minutes. So, I mean, sure, this must be driving you insane. Yeah, I know. He was disappointed in that match. I don't... Yeah, so yeah. if you look at the other results in the weekend, nothing really too untoward. Uh, Arsenal were disappointing, ultimately yeah, winners against usual. Southampton. Yeah. Uh, Spurs and Liverpool, those are two big kind of teams that did well. They both scored four goals each. Um, Swansea held Chelsea. Chelsea again, you know, it's like this could be a season where they turn things around or they're going like, to just maybe cement... Mid-table to sixth, maybe fourth, maybe make Europe. Chelsea are just like Liverpool; they're too inconsistent. If uh, I think one thing about uh, Pep Guardiola teams and Mourinho teams is that they can get a string of wins under their belt, and that gives you momentum. Even if uh, you get what is it? There's a time in the season where you're not going to play great. Yeah, exactly. So, you so if you got those wins after yeah. your under your belt, it makes things easier. Should uh, the team not be playing as well as they should, but if they're going to draw at Swansea and what is it, Liverpool? Okay, they did win, but what is it? Two weeks ago, they did lose to Burnley, so they got hammered by Burnley. Yeah, they, they got hammered by Burnley, so that stuff is not going to be great when as the season goes by. All right, we'll turn our attention to the local front, the MTN8 semifinals. There was, again, I'm I'm basing a lot of this on what you said because I'm going to hold you accountable to it, <laughs> mostly because I think you're right, and secondly because I'm trying to put, pitch you as our, as our football guru, which takes all the pressure off me, and I can say stupid things, and no one's going to hold me accountable. You said Sundowns, basically, this is their first chance of silverware. Chippy United thought, screw you, Tabang. <laughs> this is not going <laughs> yeah, to be an easy game. So, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that easy. The game, uh, you know those zero zero games that you say, no, it was a zero zero game and it was uh, exciting. Well, this one wasn't one of those. Just, yeah, it just kind of bled. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so it was, it wasn't exciting. It was actually quite boring, but Chippa United didn't concede an away goal. That's good for them. But I think, uh, should they come to Pretoria, I think, what, what is it? The, what, uh, the Sundowns will. Yeah, we'll, well, it's a matter of time as well yeah. because with a team as, as quality as Sundowns are, with the players they have, they're not yeah. going to make this mistake twice. Yeah, it, it wasn't easy though, like like we're saying, it was a difficult match. Chipa did come in there on a mission to to stifle Sundowns with uh, with you know heavy tackles in the first half, and they were they were playing kind of dirty. But uh, I think 
you know, this zero zero, I I, I suppose is great for cheaper as well. But like I said, when they come to Pretoria, they will yeah. lose. Yeah. Okay. I, I reckon two nil at the very least. And then yeah. Vitz, well, Vitz are a good side. They showed last year that they're a really good mm-hmm. side. They had a chance of winning the league. Um, looking pretty good straight up against Cape Town City, who, as you rightly pointed out, they had a good start, but they're going to come unstuck. So three zero. I mean, that's that's a dicking in the first leg. Yeah, that is. I'll go back to Cape Town now, but it looks like Vitz. So Vitz Sundowns for a final this early in the season is going to be very, very <laughs> yeah. entertaining. Yeah, that's what I got my money on. But now the next thing that we look at is going to be, well, obviously the PSL then resumes mm. very shortly, which is very good because I had a big break after just one round of fixtures. Um, any latest in the Shakespeare Shabba thing? Is he basically just going to be left there? Kind of like you leave a guy in a department of a business that isn't making any money, but who cares? Just keep him there. I suppose so. Right now, nobody's seeing anything from Safa. They said they were going to have a, a meeting last week. Uh, I don't know what was said in this meeting. That uh, Apparently, they were going to have a meeting with him, but I don't think that has happened as of yet. So I don't think anything's going to happen with Shakes until I suppose he loses some more and then we get fed up and then they decide to do something. But do you reckon, I mean, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but I mean, is it going to get to a point where no one's going to go watch the games live? And is that going to be the breaking point with these coaches and these kind of things? Yes, I, I, myself, I, I actually don't know who actually goes to the stadium and watches the final of Because <laughs> I personally wouldn't take up my money too. Because their tickets are a little bit more expensive than the normal PSL tickets. Yeah, so it's kind of s- silly for me to uh, I, I, watch them. I did see a tweet last week saying any people that watch the final live are the journalists. <laughs> There's a fair, yeah. few, fair few journalists out there thinks. I yeah. saw at least 23 people in that last game Yeah, the ones that get free food and stuff Those are the ones that go there Other than that, it's maybe If, if Bafana Bafana goes to Cape Town You know, they hardly get seen there Then, you know, the Cape Town people will Come out and see them But I think if they go to FNB or something like that they, nah. Yeah Alright, so anything else from the, from the world of football from the weekend? I think we pretty much covered it, huh? Yes, but there was a surprising result on the weekend. Yeah, uh, talking Basel- about Spanish. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, Spanish La Liga. Barcelona losing away, uh, what is it, at home actually, against uh, a newly, uh, what is it, a team that... A newly promoted a team. A newly promoted team. Yes, no, the, a, the, they started with just uh, Suarez and then Neymar and Messi on the bench, right? No, Suarez was on the bench. Messi was on the bench as well. Okay. It was Neymar who started. So I guess he was looking at the, the fixture on Tuesday against Celtic. You're saving these players for then, which doesn't make sense because I know Barcelona are going to rip through this team and then you can substitute these players and then rest them for Tuesday. I guess when you're a big side, you've always always got to feel that your squad is better than anything those other teams can have in the first choice. So you've got to give them an opportunity to shine and show <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, so, I guess so. Yeah, and you, you, it's you, the arrogance. You, yeah, you, well, you know, you can't exactly say it's the arrogance because you got to, when these guys get injured, you can't bring in the Oak has been on the bench or in the training field for all year. So you, I mean, it's one of those things you've got to rotate. Yeah, I, um, I suppose so. Yeah. Otherwise, Tabang, what's what's on the blog at the moment? What else are you writing about? What I'm writing about uh, this week, actually, uh, this week I've I I'm going to do my. Uh, my usual videos for top top three goals of the weekend, I yeah. suppose, yes. And also my what I call my Monday football ramblings, okay. where I talk about uh, everything from La Liga, from PSL to uh, the EPL. I just give my take on that. And uh, the rest of the week, 
they'll have to just check out check me out on on Twitter and see what I got there. Cool. So that's Zobo Football Blog. Z O B O Football Blog. Otherwise, just find Tabang at Chiz Zobo Blog. So it's C H I Z underscore Zobo Blog. Cool, Tabang. Well, that's okay. the football wrapped up. Yeah. Jeff, thanks for joining us today as well. It's been a great chat. You can find all of this and so much more on the Bounce of ZOZA in about an hour's time. The uh, podcasts are going to get put together. And if you have missed any of this, you can listen to the whole thing. If you have been listening live, thank you for joining us. There has been some messages, but unfortunately we have run out of time. There was a request, if I can just try to find it here, from um, Ricky. Can you update us on the Premier Hockey League? Ricky, the short answer is no. Unless, <laughs> unless you have some info for me, because I can't just go as a lay sporting person and go troll the internet and try to find results and stuff. Because I need the backstories. I need to get some definition to this as to why people should be um, watching SA hockey. Now, the, the, the thing is, and it's not me being um, being a dick about this, Ricky. It's just that there is so much sport out there, and there really is just such little time to kind of pick and choose your favorites. So, if you can motivate it, I'm all for it. I really am. So tweet me at follow the bounce. Otherwise, catch all the other stuff that I write about the bounce.co.za. Thanks, guys. It's been really great having you both in the studio today. And we're going to play out with a random song, which I'm going to take from the generic list over here. You've listened to the bounce show every Monday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. live here on Cliff Central. Otherwise, catch the podcast. Catch you next week. Cliffcentral.com.